minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM in the AM with the first half hour of this broadcast, of course, if it isn't obvious by now, dedicated to uh, Toby and Mark. The big wedding The big wedding is coming up on Sunday, and we cannot wait for that big day. So uh, to Toby and Dr. Mark and their extended families, we say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Wedding starts at uh, 4 o'clock on Sunday, and we cannot wait to uh, be part of it and celebrate um, uh, the wonderful and incredible day. So mazel tov, Toby and Mark, from all of us here at JM in the AM. And, of course, to all the Siegmans and Singers and Fishers, and uh, I think those are the only family names I found on the invitation, uh, we say mazel tov to everybody from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast, you heard Shlomo Kalbach, of course. How could you possibly do a segment of uh, of Od Yishamas and Mazel Tovs for a wedding without playing Rup Shleima. Uh That was Od Yishama. <clears throat> Aspak Larya with their Od Yishama, Derech Achim and Kolachai with their versions. Hareyat Mekudeshetli, Yaakov Shweki, brand new from Musica, Shlomo Kalbach's Ravervin, and of course Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 6.32 in the morning, 28 minutes before 7 o'clock on this Friday. December the 21st, day 13 in the month of Teves, the year 5779. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. We'll close out the book of um, of Bracious, believe it or not. Boy, time flies, doesn't it? We'll close out <clears throat> We'll close out the book of Bracious tomorrow. And the candle lighting time in the New York area, 411. We're calling it for 411. Make sure you know when candle lighting is where you are. It's pretty early these days, so again... 411 here in New York. I want to thank those who are commenting on the app. Listener Ari says, uh, always appreciate the call at this time of the morning or even earlier. Thank you. Wishes a good Shabbos. Appreciate that very much. You can comment on the NSN app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android or iPhone and comment away. 58 degrees, 99% humidity. Winds are south at 17 miles per hour. Pretty windy out there. Rain today with a high of 61. Then tonight, partly cloudy, a low 47. Tomorrow morning clouds, afternoon sun, high Shabbos, 51 degrees. 53 right now in Yerushalayim, 58 here in New York City. As we say good morning on a Friday era of Shabbos at JM and the AM. Got to thank everybody. Got to thank our friends in Toronto. Got to thank uh, the Jewish National Fund. Got to thank Got to Get a Bagel. Got to thank uh, Achiezer. Got to thank everybody who made this uh, two-day on-the-road uh, journey so successful and so amazing. And I thank you, the listeners, Tremendous response to these uh, to these shows over the last two days. I want to thank the folks at Sobeys. How can I forget Sobeys? Uh, I want to thank the listeners. Great response over the last few days. Thank you so much. And um, if you're interested in having us hit the road in your area, contact us. Contact us. Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. Now with the Jewish Unity Initiative. Uh, very often the sponsorship is shared with our, uh, with our chair people. And they want to see us hit the road and just concentrate on items of Jewish unity like we did yesterday with Israel through JNF, like we did in Toronto with Hatzalah and the Eruv, like we did yesterday with Achiezer. Uh, They just want uh, as much broadcasting as possible surrounding the topic of Jewish unity. So contact us, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com, no matter what city on the globe you might be in. JM and the AM at 25 minutes before 7 o'clock, just over an hour away from our weekly update, or by Uden, of course, in the 8 o'clock hour and plenty more. Keep it right here, everybody. It's the Nahum Siegel Network.
میشه پاییشه پتانا تایبا یشلی یشلی پویسکه نازای مایشه مایشه پتانا تایبا یشلی یشلی پویسکه نازای مایشه مایشه پتانا تایبا
JM and <coughs> excuse me, JM in the AM Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Boy, there we go. Uh, let's see. Yaakov Shweki had Yishtabach Shemo. Nice tune off of the uh, album entitled Musica here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, Mordechai and David and Sormi Shalo. That's Shabbos with the Werdigers. Moshe and Vahafta done by Ari Goldwag. You heard Benny Friedman in there with Visecha Zena. And Miami in there with Yivarechicha. Friday morning on this JM in the AM Erev Shabbos broadcast. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi, which means that uh, Safer Bracious is concluded tomorrow. Candle lighting in New York, 411. 411 is candle lighting time. 58 degrees outside. We've got rain and a high temperature of 61. I meant to check uh, how long this rain's going to last here, if Shabbos is going to start under very wet conditions or not. We'll see in a moment what we could find out. Partly cloudy tonight, low 47. Tomorrow morning clouds, afternoon sun, high temperature for Shabbos, 51. 53 right now in Yushalayim, 58 here in New York City as we say good morning. At JM and the AM, Mazal Tov to Toby and Dr. Mark. The big wedding is this coming Sunday. We celebrated the Ufra last Shabbos, and we are getting ready for an amazing day this coming Sunday. Uh, Mazal Tov, as I said earlier, to all the... Uh, singers and fishers and Siegmans and everybody who's going to be together celebrating at 4 p.m. on Sunday. We say mazal tov from all of us here at the JM in the AM. And the Dr. Mark, as many of you know, because he's been on the show countless times and has been involved with this network for the last 30 years, he is not only a close friend, but, but one of the greatest believers in the mission of this network. And every time we do anything, of any significance, he's so proud, and that's why. And and frankly, it's a very appropriate week to be celebrating with him and Toby because of the uh, type of week we had, where we did shows in Toronto, and in uh, Woodmere and Lawrence, uh, where we hit the road for some uh, great Jewish Unity Initiative programming and some wonderful live remotes. So, Mazal Tov to uh, Dr. Mark and Toby from all of us here at JM in the AM, and we look forward to the big celebration. It uh, looks like the rain will start to taper off like 2, 3 o'clock this afternoon. That's what it lo- looks like. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com. On the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galit's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. A reminder, it is the second to last Friday of the year. And a lot of people like to donate to great causes toward the end of the calendar year. Keep us in mind, please, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. At that site, by the way, at that site, you can uh, sponsor part or all of a JM and the AM broadcast in memory of somebody, in honor of somebody, someone's birthday, whatever the case may be. Uh, like someone did with our Asara Bateve show earlier in the week, which was such an unbelievable success, speaking of Jewish unity. So again, uh, it's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org participate in our year-end fundraiser. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday era of Shabbos is next. We say Boker Tov from JM the Am. Galitzal, Asha 2. Kanoam Aviram, Ima Shekorea Akshav. 
שני ההרוגים ופצוע בינוני עד קשה בתאונת דרכים בין רכב הסעות למכונית בכביש 232, סמוך לצומת גבעתי. צוות מגן דוד אדום קבע את מותם של שני נוסעי המכונית במקום, ופינה במסוק את נהג רכב ההסעות לבית החולים סורוקה. בתאונת דרכים נוספת, סמוך לקרני שומרון, נפצעו שלושה. שני פלסטינים נפצעו באורח בינוני וקל, ושוטר ישראלי נפצע קל. כתבנו יאיר אוביאטו מעדכן שמחקירה ראשונית עולה כי המכונית חצתה קו הפרדה רצוף. מגן צפוני, צה"ל פוצץ הלילה מנהרת טרור ראשונה של חיזבאללה שחדרה לשטח הסמוך למושב זרעית שבגליל העליון. נציג צה"ל הזהיר את תושבי רמיה בלבנון לפני הפיצוץ וקרא להם להתרחק. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסר שבצבא פועלים לנטרל עוד שלוש מנהרות שהתגלו במבצע וממשיכים במאמצים לאתר מנהרות נוספות. בצה"ל מסרו כי ממשלת לבנון היא האחראית על חפירת המנהרות וטיסה בהשלכות. בית המשפט החליט להותיר במעצר אסיר שריצה עונש על אלימות במשפחה אשר איים לפגוע במשפחתו עם שחרורו מהכלא. האסיר היה אמור להשתחרר עם עוד כאלף אסירים שחרור מוקדם כדי לעמוד בפסיקת בג"ץ להרחבת שטח המחיה של האסירים. במשטרה ובשירות בתי הסוהר פנו לבית משפט השלום בירושלים שהאריך את מעצרו עד יום ראשון. כתב... כתבתנו מיכל צ'ין מוסרת שבכוונת המשטרה להגיש נגד האסיר כתב אישום בגין איומים. מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, גשם מקומי קל ירד עד שעות אחר הצהריים. ולסיום טבעת בת אלפיים שנה התגלתה בחפירות עיר דוד בירושלים הקדומה. הטבעת משובצת אבן טובה, נשתמרה בשלמותה ומתוארכת לימי בית המקדש השני. היא נמצאה בצידי דרך עולי הרגל, הרחוב הראשי של ירושלים בזמנים ההם, בשיתוף פעולה בין רשות העתיקות לרשות הטבע והגנים. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו מאיר מרציאנו. אלה החדשות שערך ניתאי ענבי, וזמני השבת פרשת ויחי. בירושלים תיכנס השבת בארבע וארבע דקות, בתל אביב בארבע ושמונה עשרה דקות, בחיפה בארבע ושבע דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע עשרים ושתיים דקות. צאת השבת מחר בערב בירושלים בחמש ועשרים דקות, בתל אביב בחמש עשרים ואחת, בחיפה בחמש ותשע עשרה, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש עשרים ושלוש דקות. שבת שלום לכולכם.
Turn to Israel and are like dreamers. All the leaders of the world are trying to understand how, while our people flood back in from all the nations, and after centuries of tears, we see you, Hashem, in everything and await your warm embrace of full redemption. <laughs> Sure. 
קם חזק, קם של קדושה, יש אמונה, גם יש תקווה, והדרך עוד היא ארוכה. שבעים שנה על הארץ הקטנה ושבו הבנים אל אבותם. אין חורבן לגאולה, אלפי שנים תפילה גדולה ובעין יש דמעה של נחמה
Jam in the AM Friday morning with the cast of uh, Yisrael Bil Vavot. What a song in honor of Israel's 70th. <coughs> Chazan Yanki Lemmer with both Mimkomcha and the Zmiros Medley off of It Is Shabbos. Uh, the great Rav Shlomo Kalbach, Lemikdashech, and Pe'er V'Chavod uh, for a Shabbos selection. And Yom Zeh and Yavo Shalom done by Eitan Freilich to open up the hour. Candle lighting at 411 in New York. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi as we get set to close out the Book of Bracious. I thank you for tuning in and joining us here at JM and the AM on a Friday morning. Good to be back in the confines of our Manhattan studio at the Nahum Siegel Network after a very successful journey to Sobeys up in uh, Toronto on Tuesday night. Thank you to kosher.com. Uh, to the um, charity campaign, charity.com slash Toronto, which we had the opportunity to participate in on a Wednesday morning. That was a great success, and I thank everybody who was responsible for bringing us up there including our good friend Yami Schachter. They, uh, they had an original goal of $1 million Canadian dollars. They ended up with almost $1.4 What do you think of that, huh? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. $1.4 Hey, they got to learn how to spell Siegel on the website. Charity.com slash Toronto. They added, a, they added an A in the first syllable of Siegel. <laughs> At least I noticed. Um, anyway, so thank you, everybody, in Toronto. Then uh, <clears throat> on Thursday, it was great being yesterday at the Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere with our friends from the Jewish National Fund and at the Achiezer headquarters for the live lunch later in the day. So it was really a an amazing journey, a uh, great two days, and I thank all of you for tuning in and for being part of it. And uh, good to be back. And our weekly update is coming up just about 10 minutes from now. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. We'll do our weekly update here at the JM and the AM before we wish everybody a wonderful Shabbos and present a, a, a full day of amazing and incredible programming. Uh, Nahum, uh, please play some Eighth Day. Hmm. We'll try to get to some Eighth Day. This is from the app. Um, someone says maybe you should mention that today is the anniversary. Oh, the Lockerbie... Uh, Lockerbie Pan Am 103, yes, 30 years ago, my gosh, 1988. I remember that day. Unbelievable. 30 years later. JMNAM Friday on this era of Shabbos. More coming up. Here's Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock. Sophia, I'm not 
J.M. in the A.M. It's eighth day here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayechi. We wrap up the Book of Bracious tomorrow. Boy, time is flying, isn't it? Unbelievable. 
Friday morning on this hour of Shabbos with candlelighting in New York at 4.11. 4.11 is candlelighting time. I want to remind everybody we're getting close to the end of 2018. Join our 2018 campaign to support JM and the AM and the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting and, of course, the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, give generously. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and um, give what you can to keep us going, especially if you haven't given yet during the uh, during the year of 2018. It would be amazing to um, include you in our campaign. Uh, fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. Big thank you to our friends at jewishworldview.com, jewishworldview.com. If you want to print out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world, go ahead. Do so before Shabbos. Go to jewishworldview.com. And, of course, onlysimchas.com, onlysimchas.com, utilizing our content so often in their amazing news feed, a news feed you should be checking out every single day. Well, as uh, Malcolm gets set to join us, I want to wish a mazel tov to Avi Stein, Racheli Koss. They are a recently married couple. And uh, we say mazel tov from uh, all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline is, of course, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday morning for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. And Mazal Tov to you. May everybody have only some achot, and we had wonderful ones this week, concluding this Shabbos uh, with the Shabbos Sheva Brachot, and Really very exciting. Unbelievable. Nobody even thought you were old enough to have a grandchild get married and look it's at my this. wife's grandchild. Ah, now we understand. Thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. Um, and, my, and my sister is making a bar mitzvah for her grandson this Shabbos. Could you imagine that no, time marches on, doesn't it, Malcolm? That's what they say. It certainly does. All right, I was, I was going to ask you to help me remember a couple of people, uh, actually a couple of uh, uh, things at the beginning of, this segment, first of all, hard to believe today, the 21st of December, 30 years ago, the uh, Pan Am 103 Lockerbie bombing, uh, hard to believe it's 30 years, number one, and uh, that was a terrorist attack that eventually Qaddafi, Muammar Qaddafi, right. took responsibility for. Uh, and uh, sometimes as we travel through the air, like we did this week and you do practically every day, uh, we sometimes forget how vulnerable uh, air travel can be, and that was an episode that really had a tremendous amount of influence in the world of uh, of safety on airplanes and flights in general. So it's 30 years later, hard to believe. And and the uh, warnings of, by what happened in um, in London at the airport where they had to shut it down for 36 hours, one of the busiest airports in the world, perhaps the busiest, and at the, one of the m- most heavily traveled weekends in the, of the year, because of drones flying nearby, that the dangers today are in many respects greater. You have uh, missiles in the hands of more people. You have, um, and and to remember the technology that Israel developed, which is protecting aircraft today, and the the potential though is there, and why the efforts against uh, the terrorists has to be sustained. You know, when when the the Pan Am flight went down. And we lost uh, good friends on that flight. Uh, you know, the world was skeptical about uh, right. terrorism and whether it could be done. And, uh, you know, certainly about the connection to Gaddafi. And the other skepticism was, uh, I was unaware until I read the Wikipedia article, that there were two really strong warnings about uh, uh, the potential of a Pan Am flight having a bomb aboard. One called the Helsinki warning and one called 
the PLO warning both within days of the actual bombing. And sometimes, very often, I think we saw that by 9-11 in a way as well, sometimes we don't heed those warnings or don't take them seriously. Obviously, we've learned that it's a good idea to, in fact, take them seriously. Uh, yet there are warnings, and there are so many every day that it's almost impossible. I mean, everything can come to a standstill. Right. If uh, you know, if, but, but heeding them and at least exploring them and getting to the source of them is what's important. And help me remember, <clears throat> excuse me. Help me remember Rona Ramon, who's described as a public activist, STEM influencer, supporter of the education and advancement of youth in Israel, the widow of Colonel Ilan Ramon, the first Israeli astronaut, astronaut who died in the space shuttle Columbia disaster as it re-entered Earth and Earth's uh, atmosphere. In 2003, she was the mother of Captain Asaf Ramon, a fighter pilot in the Israeli Air Force, who was killed in a training accident in 2009. After the death of her husband and son, she established the Ramon Foundation, which works with Israeli children with academic excellence to pursue their dreams. And, of course, she passes away this week at the age of 54. Uh, it, it's a, it's unbelievable. A family responsible, and by the way, other children in the Air Force and other areas of the Israeli military uh, a, you know, a family that is so blessed by what they're able to do and what they're able to accomplish and to fulfill certain dreams. And yet, of course, these tragedies uh, struck uh, struck them so close to home, and now she passes away at a very early age. So yet yet another Israeli family with that, with that mix, with that mix of tremendous accomplishment and terrible pain. And that family in particular, I, I met Mrs. Ramon as I met her, her husband, who was one of the heroes of Israel, an astronaut, and killed in the um, explosion, uh, and the son who was killed in a training accident, and insisted on, on flying and, and being involved, and she gave permission for it. And, uh, I mean, in her case, it was uh, it was an illness. But you think of what this family has gone through, and it's, it's very sad to see it at such a young age. And she had become a campaigner, a very important voice in Israel, a positive voice, and um, I think everybody should should take note of it. And um, two things. Didn't you, I, I believe you had told us that uh, Elon Ramon himself, meaning the astronaut who was killed in 2003 in the space shuttle disaster, <clears throat> he was part of the Iraq nuclear reactor team that went into, am I correct, that went into Bamos, Iraq at that point? In yes, I, I think he was. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, he was the only single member and therefore was assigned to the have, last plane. Right, to be in the most difficult and most vulnerable position uh, at his insistence, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we're talking about people that are, you know, on a different level when it comes to these things. And uh, the other thing was, and I'm in the middle of, uh, of Charles Krauthammer's final book, the one compiled by his son after his death, and he describes the difference between Challenger and Columbia. And I just, I want to point this out because I thought it was so interesting that with the Challenger disaster, they were on their way uh, to fulfill this dream with Columbia, they were on the way back after having fulfilled their mission and their dream, and that is why the reaction to the two episodes were so different, as only he, of course, can explain it. So I just wanted to point that out. I think some of our listeners would find it interesting if, in fact, uh, they would follow up and uh, and read that part of his book. Um, Australia has recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, but the embassy will remain in Tel Aviv. Why that split? They recognized West Jerusalem. They didn't recognize all of Jerusalem. And um, they did establish or establishing, and like the Czech Republic did, in a Jerusalem house, uh, which will serve for various functions that an embassy might. And they said that this is a precursor to moving uh, the embassy 
but they came under such tremendous pressure from the Arab countries and threats and stuff that they, I think, um, backed off what appeared to be an initial commitment, though it's certainly not clear until it's done, to move the, their embassy as well. I uh, got that. Um, the news of the week, I guess, is that the United States and its president, President Trump, has decided to withdraw from Syria. We're all concerned and wondering what this means for Israel and security in general in the Middle East. So first of all, your reaction to the decision by the president? Uh, look, I, I think on the, on the surface, at least, unless there's information we don't know, and certainly that's uh, usually the case, uh, it's a very su- surprising decision, certainly caught his own team off guard. The fact that uh, Pompeo, the Secretary of State, that uh, John Bolton, the National Security Advisor, the, the Secretary of Defense, and all of them opposed this decision. I think the the uh, reaction in much of the world of opposition, even in places that you would not expect it, like uh, Holland, and, um, uh, that uh, the Germans, uh, they, they were not aware of the decision, that people, um, the analysts across the board, uh, generally with the exception of Turkey, which came out in favor, Russia, which initially came out in favor, now expresses confusion uh, about the decision. Uh, ISIS is certainly not dead. Uh, it is true that they don't that the area that they had occupied is um, is more limited now. Uh, but there, there's reports even today of of a, an ISIS attack which took many lives, and um, uh, they are certainly along the border. We know that in in the last two months they executed uh, hundreds of people in the area in eastern Syria, and that they have, they're holding about 1,400 civilians along in positions along the uh, Iraqi uh, border. The, um, so the, the implications of this are, are very great. What happens to the Kurds? Do they go with the Russians? Do they, you know, um, make a deal with Turkey? Does Turkey go in and, and have freedom now to, to wipe out as much as they, uh, as they can? And sorry, that's, there's an alert, I guess, about the, the flooding. Oh, good um, right. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions that are um, that are raised by this action, and, and a lot of concerns in terms of uh, what this will mean for Israel, what it will mean for the the future in terms of does does Iran and um, maybe Turkey become more dominant, more active. Take a greater role in in um, in Syria. What does this do for the area where the U.S. was, uh, which helped block the trans-country um, corridor that Iran was building from Tehran through Iraq, Syria, and and Beirut to the Mediterranean? Uh, will will uh, Iran be able to ship? weapons to Hezbollah more freely if the U.S. isn't there. And we don't know. Will the U.S. increase perhaps its air presence if we withdraw troops? Will they, you know, have new technologies that they will put in place that will help? It certainly and will send shivers to the Kurds. And, and how will others in the Gulf, for instance, react, let alone Israel? Uh, the prime minister did speak to the president and said that, the, uh, you know, that the the United States would still back Israel's actions in Syria, but if you're not there, it's very hard to to back it. Uh, I think they're putting the best face on, on a situation. Again, we don't know all the details, and 
um, I don't think people have to necessarily uh, uh, panic. It depends on what the U.S. what what understandings with Erdogan. Uh, is there a deal with them of some kind uh, that uh, the United States is selling them uh, a three and a half billion dollar U.S. Patriot system? Will they still buy the S four hundred and talk about allowing the F thirty five aircraft deal to Turkey to go ahead? Does this compromise the, the secret parts of the F-35 if, if it's in conjunction with the S-400 air defense system? There are so many complicating factors and so many questions here, and uh, most of them are not good questions, uh, very honestly. And we, we have to see what uh, ultimately what the arrangement is. You know, that we often see that announcements are made and then uh, qualified or defined in ways that are not as draconian as, as this appears to be. Um, implications, but it certainly raises a lot of concerns uh, on the part of our allies, and, and um, you know the definition of what what this defines in terms of the future. Uh, how, whether people will have confidence, will, will you know they say that you can't rely then on, on an American word. These are all important issues because they have real world. Consequences. Well, now that you've uh, now that you've warned us that most of the questions ain't good, I got to be careful what I ask. But uh, to the, to the average person like myself who does not understand the significant quantity, not quality for a minute, but quantity of the American presence in Syria, how would you describe it? In other words, I understand that there's a key strategic position that the United States is playing there, especially as you just described it in terms of Iran, Iranian expansion, Iranian uh, you know uh, uh, travel and and accessibility through the area and the dream that they have of making that even more accessible for them. But what about quantity? Is it a very large presence? The U.S. presence was uh, 2,000 people, but it's the it was the physical presence that was uh, a deterrent to, Iraq, to Turkey going after the Kurds. Uh, we don't know what will the Kurds in, Turk, in Iraq do now. What will the Kurds, uh, will, they, will they align themselves with Russia? Well, they say, you know, we, we can't rely on the U.S., we have to move, because for them, this is existential in, in many respects. Um, and, the, uh, and the number, it, it, it was not as significant as the symbolism and the importance of the presence and the training right. uh, that they provided to the, to the Kurds, uh, who, who are the leading force in, um, in fighting ISIS. Uh, but to, to the idea that ISIS is, is, will disappear, the fact is that they will take advantage of the uh, vacuum again, wherever they, it is. Uh, and there's an estimate that there could be, you know, tens of thousands still of, of ISIS fighters, even though dispersed and not holding on to the specific area of territory as before. And the old, it's sorry. always attractive to, to bring troops home, and nobody right. wants to see Americans especially in this, harm's way. Especially this time of year. Yes, this year I'm here, but all the time. I mean, right. it's a very popular call. And, right. you know, Rand Paul has been advocating this, and maybe his influence has become outsized, which would not be a good thing. But the, when, especially when you have the lineup of very capable and experienced people coming out against it. Uh, and, and in terms of the president, the only significant reason he gave is that ISIS is dead, right? That was the, that was the primary reason he gave for for so one has to think that maybe the president as some analysts have said is looking ahead to the to 2020 and trying to fulfill his campaign promises one of which was to bring the troops home he's also bringing them back from afghanistan um 
And we, again, as I said, everybody wants to see the troops come home. The question is under what circumstances, what conditions, and what the consequences will be. Leaving Syria to, to I mean, the Russians obviously celebrate this and, and no, always I, take advantage of every uh, opportunity. No matter what they say, they're thrilled with this, right? Uh, of course, they're, they're right. happy with it, in a sense. Uh, but they don't want to see Iran become dominant in, right. in Syria either. And the Russians have made no commitment of, of manpower. They have air power there and limited at that. So if the United States can, it will still maintain an air presence, air power presence, or ability to provide air cover, then that obviously would be uh, uh, would be significant uh, and help uh, uh, mitigate against the the potential. Erdogan is not the most reliable ally for the United States to to rely on to and we don't know what was what the conversations between the president and Mr. Erdogan yielded like we will know in time obviously uh, but it it would be very troubling if uh, if some sort of a grand bargain was signed that would enable a member of NATO to keep uh, the Russian S-400 system uh, in play, which is uh, very compromising, or uh, they, they supplant it with the three and a half million dollar U.S. Uh, uh, system. But at the same day, Erdogan was meeting with the Iranian leaders. It was Rouhani, and they announced thirty billion dollars in a joint goal for economic cooperation and uh, economic um, for trade. Uh, and, and in the meantime, Zarif was announcing that the United States finally came to its senses, not as exact words, but essentially, and adopted Iran's plan for uh, for the uh, for Syria, meaning that that they're taking credit for this uh, for the withdrawal. Right. <laughs> well, well, I would assume that they've likely suggested it many times <laughs> that the U.S. should get out. Of course, they, they press forward all the time, <laughs> and, but uh, so is Turkey and. You know, leaving the the Kurds vulnerable would be a, a terrible thing, and they have proven themselves as the best fighters right. in uh, in the Syrian war. Even with the limited capability, if if one would describe you know Russian capability in that way, uh, when it comes to Iran, they could fill that void, right? They could, it, with Syrian permission, they could fill that void of of blocking Iran Iran and its expansion and influence in the area. No, they won't. They would not do it, even if Syria. Well, they haven't, and they they have because... limited some Iranian presence um, and cooperated with Israel, although it's a little diminished since the the incidents that uh, took right. place several months ago. Uh, but but Iran, but Russia does not want to invest. Russia's economy is in free fall. So is Turkey, and so is so is that of Turkey and and of Iran, by the way. But all of them, uh, the expenditures that are involved. That's why Moscow. It has to be given credit because they took a little investment and made a lot out of it and become the dominant force in in uh, Syria. Uh, Iran uh, diverts the money that it should be using to feed its people and and uh, still carries out the adventurism, uh, continuing to to support Hezbollah and where we saw the development. And it's not unrelated. You know, the the people tend to deal with each issue, and while it's far apart and it doesn't involve Hezbollah directly, it does affect it indirectly. And the information of a fourth tunnel that was found, the information of that parallel to it were whole underground networks of armed caches and, and um, uh, facilities that were um, uh, 
uh, that are being used for military purposes in southern Lebanon, and that the information we gave to UNIFIL, that Israel gave to UNIFIL, about the Hezbollah tunnels ended up with Hezbollah. It went to the Lebanese forces and then through them to Hezbollah, which means that undermines the confidence that they can have in even providing the information. Uh, the Hezbollah did close the what I talked about last week, that precision missile plant in Lebanon, where they're upgrading the missiles with uh, much more um, accurate guidance systems, which is a real threat to Israel. And these sites were near the Beirut uh, airport uh, and underground uh, sites for the conversion of these missiles. So maybe they've done several hundred uh, of the 120,000 or some say even few, maybe even a fewer, even a few dozen. But the fact is that, that we've had this uh, um, development of Hezbollah today is much stronger than it was in the last war. They have perhaps 45,000 uh, fighters, according to the IDF estimates, which is more than double over the past um, 10 years, 12 years. The rockets, of course, went from 13,000 to 120,000 in, in a similar period. The in 2006, when Hezbollah fired 3,500 rockets, as you, everybody I hope remembers at Israel, yep. it can now fire 1,200 a day, meaning that they can fire the same what they did in 34 days then, in three days now. I mean, these are, are a, a qualitative changes. in, um, and, and nobody can argue today, because even the UN, in its asinine way, declared that the uh, tunnels crossed into Israel, violate the Security Council resolution, and violate Israel's international border. Uh, Hezbollah was trying to close its attack, uh, the, these, these attack tunnels, and remember now five, meaning that they were going to attack in five different places was the, was the, was the, uh, the goal of, of, uh, uh, of the tunnels. So the Security Council met yesterday and couldn't even summon the courage, despite statements even from Sweden and Holland, to condemn Hezbollah on the tunnels, that they passed on the action. So the bias, and Nikki Haley's speech yesterday really uh, tore them, uh, uh, tore into all of these guys and and um, and pointed out that the problems in the region have nothing to do with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and that applies to what happened with the, the Syrians and with uh, what happens in Syria and what's happening in so much of the region, that the U.N., is biased, just can't get uh, overcome no matter how blatant or, or clear the issue is. And for Israel, it, it's a reminder that it has to be strong on its own. It has to have the ability to protect itself, that we can have great allies and great friends, and certainly the United States is. Uh, and, uh, you know, that even the bill that was supposed to provide the 10-year MOU uh, was not passed by Congress. It didn't get through. Rand Paul has been holding it up. And it appears that they're going to have to start all over again in the next session. It's a question I've gotten from several people. So that's the latest update that it, it look it will be have to go to the um, to the next session. And that has not happened in in any. It, it, that has not happened in how many years? Well, it has happened in the past. You know, where people, but but it's leveraged not because of Israel. Although in this case, it's it's partly uh, because of Israel. People, senators. In the Senate, an individual senator can hold it up, and, and this was passed overwhelmingly by both houses uh, and uh, supported by both, and it's just him, he holding it up for his purposes. It often can be held up over appointments. It can be held up over other issues where, where senators uh, leverage the power they have in the House. You can't do that. 
but yes, we're going to have to start all over again, so, and uh, God willing, it'll pass in the next session. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Support us and keep our programming going by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And we recommend that before the end of the year, you join our 2018 campaign, fjbunity.org. Two notes on on the Israel angle. So first of all, I mean, you just said it, but to reiterate, uh, the prime minister has, of course, declared that we're essentially, I'm not quoting, we don't rely on anybody. If Israel needs to defend itself, it will, in fact, defend itself and will move forward and do what's necessary in order to protect the people of Israel, right? That's basically the attitude of Prime Minister Netanyahu after the American announcement, correct? And and his talk with the president, and of course, it's what he has to say. I mean, right. uh, we're not going to say we're not going to defend ourselves. We're going to continue to carry out attacks that they have to. They have to have freedom of movement, even though it seems to be, and my discussions with some officials uh, seem to confirm that they are more limited than what it was uh, before, you know, the incident with Russia and uh, that it is uh, that U.S. presence and U.S. backing is is all very important. But if our allies in the Gulf and if others in the region and if the uh, forces in in Syria feel more emboldened and the others feel our allies feel weakened by this and and question the commitments uh, made, uh, this all has dramatic impact on the, on the whole region and certainly on Israel. And with what you just described to us a couple of minutes ago regarding what's happening up north and the difference and the vast uh, difference in power that Hezbollah has, potential, let's call it, that Hezbollah has compared to 2006, I mean, are there are there people in the Israeli cabinet in Prime Minister Netanyahu's ear demanding a preemptive strike, demanding that the buildup is so great compared to, compared to what we've seen in the past, which was, of course, a horrific situation, that there's got to be some type of preemptive strike uh, by Israel, or, or they're going to be behind the eight ball if Hezbollah starts up? Well, Israel has new technologies and has taken preemptive steps along the border. We have certainly have had a buildup, and people who visited Israel uh, have seen it and uh, note uh, and Israel's ability to detect these, uh, these tunnels was a big setback for Hezbollah's plans. The fact that they closed that plant that I mentioned uh, obviously means that they know that Israel was going to take it out and whether, in fact, it's closed permanently, we'll find out in time. Uh, but yes, this is um, Israel faces a different situation, and often people criticize the prime minister why he didn't do more in the south is because he has to balance it also with the concerns in the north. And a two-front war would be very uh, difficult, and with the ability of Iran now, with with the Hezbollah under under Iranian uh, guidance, to to um, to do damage, you know. I, I, I just want you to understand how strong the the role of Iran and Hezbollah. When people say the question, you know, does Iran really, other than supplying weapons, first of all, they're supplying weapons by land and by air, and continue to provide the funding, even if it's more restricted than what it was. But you know that Hassan Nasrallah, the head of of Hezbollah's first title, is that of personal representative of Khamenei in Lebanon. Ah not that of Hezbollah Secretary General. To me, that little tidbit was so important in such a statement about, uh, you know, the reality of what we're dealing with. And the Hezbollah's leadership is totally under the authority or subject to the authority of, of Iran's leaders. 
and others. And uh, this has been increasingly recognized. We know that it, it is the case. Uh, whether they, they, what will happen if there's a conflict and when Iran decides that a conflict is in their interest, they don't want to see their huge investment uh, destroyed by an Israeli preemptive strike based right. on information that, that Hezbollah is going to move. Uh, I think Israel has demonstrated uh, incredible restraint in finding, finding these tunnels and now working to, to eliminate them. It's, people will say, why don't they just blow them up? Because it's, it's much more complicated than that. These are you know, infrastructures. You've seen the pictures in, in uh, Gaza. Well, here, they're built through rock. In, in Gaza, you, you're digging mostly through sand. And it's it's an easier um, it's easier to do here. They had a it's on a mountain or approaching a mountain, and therefore had to be had to go through solid rock, which is a much bigger undertaking. Unbelievable! The enemy is very creative. It's just amazing. Um, all right. And people ask also, well, why didn't they just see it? You know, they have satellites. They do see it. They saw it when trucks moved, but here. You had one that began in uh, in a cement factory, another that began in someone's home, uh, and often it's just cover. You know, there's cover from the neighborhood or whatever, and it's hard to know whether somebody's getting a furniture delivery or or getting missiles. Uh, so hard to track, but they do track all of it. They know that one out of every three houses has a missile in emplacement in, in southern Lebanon. Got it. All right, so this admission, somewhat public admission of the connection with Hezbollah and Iran, um, how does this story about the the fear in Iran among its leaders of a possible overthrow play into this? Because I would think if, in fact, they were worried about actually being overthrown, uh, they'd become more desperate and, God forbid, you know, try to start up with Israel uh, from the northern area. Uh, so first of all, what's the what's the likelihood of a, of a serious threat to their government at this point? Uh, I think it's serious, and I think if the West would do more to support the elements inside Iran, it would make a very significant difference. The economic conditions, as I said, uh, are, are driving this. Uh, by the way, for Erdogan too, and he faces uh, municipal elections in, I think, in March of next year of 2019. And uh, they're very worried because the opposition has finally coalesced, which if they had done in the last election, they might have beaten him. And his popularity is down because the economic conditions are are uh, terrible. Unemployment is high, so this could be uh, very serious for him. Uh, but to, for for Iran, the, the involvement in Gaza and in uh, Lebanon is very unpopular amongst the people. If you remember the demonstrations, they were yelling, we will not die for Gaza, we will not die for Hezbollah, we will die for Iran, and call for death to the dictator in the last one as well. But this has long been the cry, and people see that, that the country's half of it is in a drought, the tourism, everything is down to, at the sanctions, the U.S. are working, and even if the Europeans try to do bypasses, all the major companies have pulled out. There are about a 1,000 European companies still doing business, but they're small uh, mostly half of them in chemicals, which should send shivers up everybody's back, uh, and about a third in equipment and machinery. So the, for for uh, Iran, the, the involvement in, in this, they can try to uh, you know think that they have an ideological victory, but the fact is, for the people, and including many of the leadership, this is not, this is adventurism, which they don't uh, really uh, see as a priority right now. The, the, and Khamenei, uh, has to be concerned about the internal 
situation. Ahmadinejad called for Rouhani to 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 step down this week, uh, and, and there's been a rivalry. But I think that they're they're taking advantage of it. So you have uh, opposition from the extremes, uh, the extreme, I guess, right. He would be. Um, but also amongst the, the population. Is he influential so, anymore, Ahmed? Ahmed is he influential anymore, Ahmadinejad? He has a following amongst the security forces and elsewhere, but no, he's not. I wouldn't say he's a, a candidate for to, to come back, but he, he would like to be. Right. But he, I don't think he has that big a, a base, and he wasn't a great success either. Uh, but, uh, you know, the... the um, uh, involvements and the the level of of uh, of Iran's uh, both domestic suppression and activities outside. The fact is that they're still building abroad uh, and investing outside. The the the, the Turks uh, as well. Turkey just building a big center in Caracas, Venezuela. He took over a huge center which was supposed to be a mosque, but in fact it's going to be much more than that, and it's part of his expansionist designs building thousands and thousands of mosques around the world, which he controls and uh, with and sends the message every Friday is an Islamist uh, Muslim Brotherhood message. Hard to control these places thousands of miles away. I think history's proven that. It's not so hard when you have a network like the, the Iranians have perhaps 50,000 agents in South America. They have Hezbollah training camps. They have a presence. The it's Turks uh, competing with them and, and have bases also. Uh, in many places from Syria to Sudan to Afghanistan. Uh, in the case of Turkey, both of them are in Qatar. Iran has uh, also, an, and this is ideological, you know, where they go in to spread their ideology or, or for economic uh, reasons, but mostly supporting uh, Islamist groups in Africa and, and elsewhere. So it's, it's a global hegemony that they both seek and they are competing for. Uh, and there are others, the Wahhabis, who are also seeking uh, regional and global hegemony. A couple of things i got to ask you about. Do you have any, any clarity on this Airbnb? It seems every day, you know, we hear that they've eliminated their policy there. Then we find out, no, their policy really is still is still in effect. Any any update that could uh, bring any clarity to this for us? That is the update. <laughs> that is, it's, it's completely confusing. <laughs> so they went to, I, I, I met with, they came to my office, I met with them. Um, I, I can't say that we made much progress. We at least explained what this will entail and why this is uh, such a serious decision and why we cannot let it stand, even if not for Airbnb's purposes, but because of the precedent that it sets for other companies, that Airbnb, as a business decision, should be reviewing it, let alone on a legal basis where we believe it's discriminatory and there will be lawsuits and, uh, and some already have been filed. But they're planning an IPO, public offering in the spring. The states that have anti-boycott laws will not invest. We know that um, uh, Tom DiNapoli uh, issued a very strong letter, and, and other states are, are looking at it. To, uh, Florida has already, Illinois has said that they wouldn't invest. And then state employees not using Airbnb. And, and I think the popular uh, response uh, to it has to be very strong, and they have to get just on the business uh, aspect uh, message, let alone on a moral grounds and the fact that it's a discriminatory measure picking out one area in the world where, where they uh, take such a message. I think they did, after the sanctions against Crimea, do the same. But here the, the, the symbolism is greater, and you can take all the disputed territories in the world and find they're not 
pulling out of those, let's say that they reviewed, they sent a delegation to Israel, and after a meeting with the Minister of Tourism, he came out and he said something to the effect that they're changing their policy. Right. Uh, and, in fact, that was not the case. And there are those who rushed to media to take credit that they're the ones responsible for it, when, in fact, they have not changed the policy. They did say that they're going to invest more in Israel and that they're against BDS, and their decision isn't BDS. It's uh, because they didn't pull out of Jerusalem or out of the Golan Heights, uh, and that they're going to invest more. And the this official from uh, Airbnb went to visit in uh, in the um, in Shomron, uh, but frankly, the, the decision is, is cannot stand because of the precedent that it sets and because it's a victory for Cybericats uh, who put a lot of pressure, but the BDS movement, and look at their statements, and it tells you whether this is or is not seen by them as as that kind of a, of a victory. What a confusing situation. And frankly, and, and lastly, rather, um, what was it in fact... A terrorist exchanged in the Gilat Shalit deal who was responsible for the Ofra shooting? Yes, that's what it appears. Wow. And I hate to, you know, emphasize that and I'm you know, I, I, I know what that deal obviously meant to the Shalit family, but we spoke about this at that time for weeks, maybe months, uh, before that deal was made. And if there was one thing that uh, you were convinced about was that uh, we would see unfortunately disasters from those who were traded uh, for him, but you know, like I the recidivism is is clear, and the, while Israel takes actions and uh, to try and make sure that those uh, who are involved in these things, um, you know, are held uh, are watched or held to account when you have such a large number, it's inevitable that you're going to have um, those who return to to terrorism, and unfortunately, we have seen it in many cases. Yeah, no doubt. All right, I thank you. I assume we are on for next week. Have uh, a Mazal tov to you again. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. Thank you very much, and Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Reminder, if you enjoy these conversations, if you enjoy our unique programming every single day, all day, give as generously as you can to fjbunity.org. It is coming to the end of 2018. Uh, We basically have two ends of our campaign each year, the fiscal year at the end of June, when we ask you to to join us in the regular campaign, and then those who have not yet given in 2018, we ask you to join us before the year comes to an end. So please give us, and and there are those, by the way, who give more than once a year, who do in fact give twice, and we appreciate that. So please go to uh, fjbunity.org, FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, give as generously as you can and keep our programming going this time each every Friday, every Arab Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayechi. In Parshas Vayechi, Yaakov blesses his children prior to his passing, and as the Torah tells us, he, on the one hand, individualizes each bracha, meaning he blesses each and every child in accordance with his ability, and he then gave some of each bracha to the next, so that collectively it would be a most successful community. What is very important to take note of, 
that Yaakov is reminding us, Chanoch Lenar Alpidarko, you are to educate and treat each and every child in accordance with their personal abilities. What does that mean? Don't treat all the children the same. They each have different kolchos. The Vilna Gaon explains that verse from Mishlei in a very sharp way. Chanoch lenar alpidarko. Educate the child in accordance with their ability. Why? Gam kiyaskin lo yasur mimenu. Because if you will try to impose your way on the child and divert the child from their natural inclination, as long as they are in your rishus, as long as they're living in your home, you might be somewhat successful in so doing. However, kam kiyaskin, when they're out of your house and they get older, lo yasuru their true nature is going to come out. And therefore, chanoch lenar, train the child, infuse spirituality, direct the child in whatever area they have that they are literally leaning towards, be it music or all other forms of um, nature about themselves. So encourage them to uh, develop their talents, but encourage them as well to direct and infuse their talents, not only the ability to learn, which is that which we want as an ideal for our children, but the ability to take whatever natural talents they have and direct them towards Avodah Hashem, towards serving God. We find, and interesting, in this Shabbos of Chazak, we finish the book of Bereshis, Shabbos morning, and we begin the book of Shmos, Shabbos afternoon. I'd like to focus, interestingly, on the first word of the parsha, which is Vayachi. Ironically, this is the parsha that Yaakov dies. Why is it called Vayachi? Because, interestingly, the last 17 years of his life were special to Yaakov, all his children together. But most important, Rashi teaches us that while the Torah has a long description of the passing of Yaakov, the Talmud points out that the Torah does not say the term Vayomas, and he died. It says, Vayigva, Vayosef Elamov. It does not say Vayomas, and he died. And the Talmud says something very powerful. Yaakov Avinu Lomes. Yaakov didn't die. What do you mean he didn't die? He was buried in Ma'oras HaMachpelo. Yes, but Ma'zaro B'chayim, just as Yaakov's children are alive, Afhu B'chayim, so too is Yaakov alive. And I'd like to speak this morning about just that, the importance of life, and that every moment of life is sacred. Take note that when Yonah, is uh, confronted and they draw the lots and they see that because of him, as he tells his story, is this storm just around this boat and not around any of the other boats. He says to them, So'uni, pick me up. Va'atiluni, 
el hayam, and throw me into the sea. What do you mean, throw me into the sea? Pick me up. Of course, in order to throw him in, you're going to have to pick him up. So the rabbis tell us, no. Yonah was saying, Hatiluni, pick me up. Give me one more minute of life before you throw me into the sea. Because indeed, each and every moment of life is precious. Take note, in Parshas B'Shalach, in the beginning, when Hashem tells Moshe, the game plan as to what's going to be happening, that Hashem is going to harden at the beginning of Parshas B'Shalach, chapter 14, Pasuk 4. Hashem is going to harden the heart of Paro, and he and all his army is going to run after B'nai Yisrael. And note what the Torah says next, V'yodu Mitzrayim, and Mitzrayim shall know, Ki'ani Hashem, that I am God. Who, which of the people of Mitzrayim is the Torah speaking about? So the Eben Ezra says, I'll teach you what Pshat in the Pasuk is. V'yodu Mitzrayim 1, Hanish Orim, those who are left, those who were back in Egypt, not every single person came. Those who were left in Egypt will hear, oy, 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 what happened in that great event called Kriyas Yamsov. But then the Eben Ezra says something incredible. Gam as well, Hanit Ba'im. So too, those who were drowned, who will be drowned, Lifnei Sam, before they die, they'll know Kiani Hashem. What the Ibn Ezra is saying is that for the people of Mitzrayim, the army pursuing the Jewish people that are about to die, There'll be a moment of clarity before they die, recognizing, wow, there is Hashem in this world. And if, as the Torah is teaching us, that it's significant for a non-Jew to recognize God in this world before they die, all the more so for a Jew to recognize and to realize that he has to live as a Jew in his lifetime, and he has to die as a Jew in his death. What does that mean? It means that very often a person is not in a position to make decisions for themselves. Should they put in a feeding tube? Should they not put in a feeding tube? Do they intubate? Do they? All these decisions a person cannot make at that time. Now, I have seen too many situations whereby everybody means well, but these decisions can break a family apart. One wants to follow Jewish law, the other one says, don't mucha the parent, and therefore, givalt. It's a terrible machlukas, a terrible argument, which can linger on for years, which happens at the time of passing. All this can be avoided if a person writes a halachic living will. The halachic living will basically says, I appoint so-and-so, a family member, and I appoint so-and-so, my rav, as the halachic authority that my child or whoever the appointed, who is individual, who will be making the decisions, must consult with and follow the halacha as guided by the Rav. The idea being that 
our life is not ours. People make a very basic mistake, and they think that we, man, we are the balabatim, we are the owners of our own life. And that's not true. He, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is the balabas. It's his life. Elokai, every morning we say the bracha, the shama, the soul that you have given me. Tohorehi, it is pure. Atobarasa, atoyetzarta, you created it. You have blown it within me as God blew the soul into the lifeless body of Adam Rishon, and just as you have given it to me, you are going to take it from me, and you're going to give it to me once again in the future, when there will be the Rambam tells us there are 13 basic principles of belief of the Jew, and the 13th, the last one is, I believe with perfect faith that there will be the resurrection of the dead in our Shemona Esrei every day. You are trustworthy, we are sure that you will restore and bring back the dead to life in the future. So this is such a powerful idea, an interesting halachic idea. Watch. The Radvaz writes at the end of chapter 18 of Hilchul Sanhedrin, we have the halachic, halachic principle, meaning that if a person comes to court and says, I, Ruvain, owe Shimon a thousand dollars, and he admits this, while there are no witnesses and there's no document, there's nothing, he is now obligated to pay Shimon $1,000. Now what if he comes and he says, I am guilty of an offense that the Torah has said, for this offense there is to be the death penalty. We do not listen to him. Why, says the Radvaz? Because a nafsho shall adam kinyano shall adam. Your soul, your life is not yours. You don't own it. It belongs to God. So therefore, number one, there has to be burial in the ground. Torah says, you come from the earth and you will be returned to the earth. Above ground burial is not in accordance with halacha. Cremation, God forbid, is anti-Jewish law, not simply anti-Jewish tradition, that we have been doing it this way for thousands of years, but the whole idea is that it goes against the concept of that beautiful partnership between body and soul. The body is... (coughs) Holy. Why? Because it housed the soul. The body is holy because it performed mitzvot. And we wash the body, dress the body, literally, in such a way that, please God, it's going to be ready for tchias hamesim. This is a very important point that we have to share with and reinforce not only among those who are observant Jews, but the word need be told to our brothers and sisters who are not yet following Jewish law that cremation is against halacha. It's against Jewish law.
So the first thing that we do need each and every person is a halachic living will. Second of all, we need simply a halachic will. Now what does that mean? It means that to go to a lawyer and say to a lawyer, after I pass on, I'd like this to go to this child, I'd like this to go to that organization, etc., etc., that also is against Jewish law. Why? It's yours. But the answer is yes, it's yours while you are alive. Jewish law says that you can give anything and everything away what's yours while you are living. But after one passes on, they are no longer in a position to make a halachic transfer and therefore go to a lawyer who knows Jewish law and you will set up the will in such a way which is going to satisfy your requests and therefore you'll be able to disperse as you like. However, it will be done in conformity with Halacha with Jewish law. This is a very important point. Halachic living will, number one. A halachic will, number two. And finally, just to take a step back and to realize that the concept of life is so important. I'm just going to close with a Rambam. It's the second chapter of Hilchos Shabbos. And it's Halacha Gimel, where we know from the end of the Gemara Yuma that we break the Shabbos in order to pikuach uh, nefesh, to save a life, to extend life for as a moment we would break Shabbos because every moment of life is precious. And what does the Rambam write? Kisha'osim Tevorama Elu, when we do this pikuach nefesh on Shabbos, it's not to be done. Lo nochrim, not by non-Jews and not by ketanim, right? Somebody has chest pain. So where is the local? No, don't go looking for a non-Jew. Don't ask a child and find a child to make the phone call. No. Who should it be done? It should be done by literally the leaders of Israel, the rabbis. You are not allowed to delay and they quote, the Rambam quotes the beautiful Pasuk that we read on <coughs> Yom Kippur afternoon at Mincha and Parshas Acharemos the Torah was given as a Torah of living life, and not that a person could, should, die in them. So this is a very important point. Literally, Yaakov, and please God, there should be good health and long life to all our friends and listeners. However, it's important to understand who is the Balabas. And we know the answer to that one. Elokai, the Shoma, Shenosatobi, Tohorehi. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. A song called Hamalach. Words from this week's Parsha. Benny Friedman here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, as we close out the book of Bracious, candlelighting 411 here in New York. Give generously to our campaign, our end of 2018 campaign. If you haven't yet given during 2018, support uh, JM the AM and the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, and of course, the Nahum Siegel Network, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Coming up, table for two, Naomi Nachman is joined by Janie Haynes, creator of Nature's Cocktail, SD Wolby from the Facebook group, I Don't Cook, But I Give Out Recipes, and Yehuda Birnbaum from Meat and Board. It's all happening between 9 and 10 Eastern time. The Erev Shabbos show with uh, Mark Zamek, presented by our friends at Kedem. That's at 10 o'clock. 1 o'clock for the uh, Erev Shabbos Harry Rothenberg video blog. Then the Erev Shabbos music mix, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami. Matis with JM Sunday, this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. So it's a lot happening, a lot going on, and I thank you all for tuning in and being part of this great radio experience. Baruch Hashem. Mazal Tov to Dr. Mark and to Toby. The big wedding is this coming Sunday, and we are getting set to celebrate. Mazal Tov to the extended Singer and Siegman and Fisher families, and everybody's going to be celebrating with us this coming Sunday. Dr. Mark, Toby, Mazal Tov. Can't wait for the big day. It is right, literally now, right around the corner. Mazal tov to Meital and Yehuda Fishout, who just made Aliyah this week with Nevesh Benefesh. Mazal tov from all of us here uh, at the JM and the AM. Um, what else do we have here? A lot of great comments on the app. Much appreciated. That's for sure. Mazal Tov going out to Aaron Yeshaya Gifter of Staten Island, celebrating birthday number 16 today. Shia, we're so very proud of you and wish you a great year ahead. We love you tons. We especially love your smile. It still lights up the room every time. Happy, happy birthday. Many more in good health. So happy to be able to say we'll see you in a few days. With much love from Bubby and Zadie, Florida. Wait a second. Bubby and Zadie, Florida? I think she means, I think listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena think that, I think that they mean uh, Mazal Tov from Alter Bubby in Alter Zadie, Florida. Or Great Grandma and Great Grandpa down in Florida. I think that's what they mean after this week's events. So happy birthday, Yeshaya, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, by the way, I got to wish Mazal Tov. Let me, let me get the information here uh, for a moment. Uh, let's see, here we are. Here we are. Um, all right, I thought we were there. <laughs> okay, now I think we finally have uh, the information. I uh, want to take this opportunity and wish a mazal tov. Um, Jordan Hode and Anna Rosenblatt are a recently engaged couple. Mazal tov to the Rosenblatt's. Out on Long Island to the Hodes, of course, in Teaneck, and Lior and Janet, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Bliyayin Hara, have celebrated such amazing smachot uh, recently, including the uh, uh, the birth of their granddaughter and grandson, twin boy and girl. And now they get to celebrate uh, Jordan and Anna's engagement. So Mazal Tov again to the Hodes and the Rosenblatts. 
from all of us here at JM in the AM. Wonderful news to share with the entire community. More coming up. It's Yaakov Shweki at JM in the AM.
Just got an amazing uh, email, or actually a, a text, from my friend Morty Melman. Flopbush Jewish Journal tells me that Dovi Melman is engaged to Ayala Gestetner from Montreal, Canada. All right. Mazal tov to the Melmans and the Gestetners. Morty, mazal tov to you, your wife, the entire family. Dovi Melman, Ayala Gestetner, a very recently engaged couple. We say mazal tov from JM and the AM. Time to say good Shabbos on this Arab Shabbos Parshat Vayechi at JM and the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his 
Creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. And that will wrap up an amazing week for us here at JM and the AM and the NachumSegal Network. I thank, oh, sorry about that. I thank all of you up in Toronto, in Woodmere, everybody with JNF, with Achi Ezer. With the Toronto Charity Campaign up at Sobeys in Toronto for making us so welcome in all the different places this week. It was really a remarkable run of programming, and we thank everybody who was involved. Uh, a great week for JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. If you a mazel tov to Rabbi Mrs. Yiddy Schwartz on the birth of a baby boy, mazel tov from all of us here at JM. In the AM. If you enjoy everything that we present on a regular basis here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, make sure to join our 2018 fundraising campaign. Go to fjbunity.org, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and support us. And I thank you all. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Mazal Tov to Toby and Dr. Mark. The big wedding is Sunday. Mazal Tov. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.